0: there were a lot of things that I think it was fair for dealers to think that the internet would be a fad. I actually, I probably more sharply criticize people that make dealers feel bad that they didn't know that the internet was going to be this, you know, monumental uh, uh, change agent for the way they do business. Uh, Because, you know, there were so many hallmarks of really like that would make it, if I were a dealer, I'd say, come on, like, you want me to take pictures of all my vehicles? I get that. I would love to show actual photos of my used inventory because that's where it started. Then you should do yep. it for your new inventory too. But in 1998, loading up a picture—oh my goodness! Not With just my loading
1: it yourself. Kodak digital you know, camera. <laughs>
0: yeah, nobody knew how to really compress images. But then, then the consumer experience, right? We talk oh. about CX all the time now, or user experience. But the user experience, if you clicked on the search results of a user.
1: For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee for that full bodied rich sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, what's going on How's podcast good? nation? How are you doing? It is Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Sean Reigns, dealer superhero. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today, man. I appreciate it. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Hey, Sean, for, you know, literally like the two people out there that don't know who you are. Um, <laughs> if you can just give us that quick origin story that is Sean, and we'll just go ahead and get started.
0: Uh, sure yeah first shout out to Canada. this is my Edmonton uh Starbucks nice. <laughs> uh, last summer when I was up in Edmonton um yeah so uh, wow got into the digital side of the car business in the late 90s so I think that's probably Jason why several people <laughs> have met me or, or maybe know who I am because I've been in
1: for just, so just for long. a little while I mean just a little bit right
0: <laughs> yeah so the digital thing you know really started actually with uh, leads, lead providers, mm-hmm. way back in the day, and so I've uh, kind of had touch points with uh, multiple different um, services and products within the digital realm. But before that, I actually got into the car business. I met a girl, and uh,
1: you so know, it was the beginning kid, of a good College,
0: college kind of thing. Didn't want to move back to where my parents were, and got a job in a parts warehouse. So that's how I got in the car business. I really never left the car business after that, and. Uh, then the digital thing kind of started in the mid '90s, and you know met a guy, and so I I was with uh, Reynolds and Reynolds, and a kind of a joint partnership that they had with Microsoft in when I lived in Seattle. So mm-hmm. uh, also had a kind of a soft spot in my heart for Canada because uh, okay. lived close and went up to at least the BC side quite a bit um, back in the day. Anyway, uh, then my career kind of took me from missed several years with the Reynolds uh, website teams, digital marketing into um, uh, reach local way back in the day. In fact, dealer.com was our biggest client when I got to reach local running their automotive team nice. and uh, worked with Jared Hamilton and driving sales for a few years. That was awesome. Um, I think a lot of people um, had met me in those, that era. And then, and then I w- went to Dealeron, which was the last larger-sized company that I was with. I was with those guys for about a little over four years and then left Dealeron Getting close to two years ago. I guess this January will be two years since I left Dealeron. And then I started Dealer Superhero, which is essentially uh, you know, two things. One, I was under a non-compete. So <laughs> I used Dealer Superhero as uh, a vehicle for a B2B business because I'm one of the people that if I'm gonna go ahead and you know try to be you know ethical, I'm not gonna violate my non-compete, which I did not. I used Dealer Superhero to work with um smaller size companies that serve the auto industry, but not in websites and digital marketing as to not be competitive. And then when the non-compete lifted, um, I've been working on um some direct dealer service business, not specific to websites or digital marketing, but being able to um make recommendations and kind of counsel and coach. I like that. For their that's good. Digital, not just existence, but the ability to thrive. So for a dealer who was like, man, I wish I had somebody that's been in this that really kind of could navigate just about every turn and u turn and unexpected thing that we might come across. Uh, I have a service that I use a couple of different tools for monitoring and measuring Uh, a bit beyond just uh, standard analytics views Mm -hmm. to help that dealership. First and foremost, um, I really want dealers to become more accountable themselves. I think that's really, really important. And then number two, uh, I believe that accountability breeds uh, the opportunities to strengthen existing relationships with vendors because then they'll really know if it's good or bad or, you know, somewhere in between. Um, And then also, Helps them hold those vendors accountable. They will really know how to do it, and they, they can't if they rely on people. I mean, Jason, you're really <laughs> an expert in the field as well. And there's a lot lot of us out there. Oh, I I should say there's quite a few people that Isn't have the it, ability.
1: To- there's a handful of us that care and actually do want to see people do better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But you can't. Uh, you I mean, pick any of our um, even friends, mutual friends that could could actually provide that service to a dealer there's still not enough of them to go around to all the dealers in North America. that would want person for like sure that not that that's a bad problem to have if you're in that type of business. But the point I was kind of driving at is uh, the dealerships um, are really empty handed. If they rely on just Jason Harris or Sean Rains or pick anybody else to do all of that, because we can coach, counsel, guide, show them, you know, we can lead horses to where there's a water source, but they still still have to drink. And that's kind of where I want to, you know, focus my effectiveness is how can I help dealers kind of get to that point where um, they even know where the water is; they don't need to be led there. Like I got it. This is, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's just this, this level of professionalism that the dealers yearn for, and they really want to have. But I think that the entire, um, let's just call it the digital era, the internet era for dealers starting in, you know, let's call it '98,
1: maybe. Well,
0: that, I, that far.
1: That's it's, true. I
0: mean, fast for them to, to handle so now it's there's a lot of kind of catch up <laughs> anyway there's a that, that's an origin story plus a couple little extra points
1: no that's perfect uh, do you ever find the you, you, sometimes you kind of play like therapist to the dealership
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah sure i mean like i've almost actually thought about putting that as a title of one of the things i do i'm like hey, dealership therapist just let me automotor- know
0: well, you can call it automotive
1: retail therapy. There, there you go. Automotive retail therapy. But There's a new <laughs> podcast brand for you. <laughs> I know, right? That's actually a good one. I'm going to keep that one. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because you've been in the business long enough where, um, I mean, you remember the explosion of tech and new things. I mean, uh, me and you had been sitting in, we were sitting in dealerships, you know, trying to convince a dealership to get a website. And they're like, no, 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 I'm never going to need a website. You know, someone's going to always just come to my dealership. Like, I don't need this. Right. And now no one could ever fathom the idea of even opening a dealership without one. Um, You know, technology, you know, back then was so new, but it almost kind of seems like full circle. We've kind of come back around. We're in this, this next era and there's just a lot of good stuff that I say, then there's a lot of, well, just snake oil and crap you know, Mm -hmm. that's being sold. And it is super tough right now for dealerships to kind of navigate through that sea again. It just, it reminds me, you know, um, you know, mid late 90s, early 2000s, you know, it's just where things were just kind of, you know, popping, right? And here we are almost 20 years later. And it's just kind of the same thing happened all over again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, Good points there. I I have a relatively new client that Uh, part of my onboarding of a client is there's a whole bunch of information they have to share with me otherwise I really can't help them and one of those items that's very significant is I need to see their entire uh, budget and what they're investing in in terms of all of the the digital things that they're hoping will result in you know um, the acceleration of more vehicles sold maybe more vehicles serviced as well and I just had a a relatively new client that I brought on that I think in day one I was like yeah here's 10 grand you can save and they're like (laughs) Yeah, like that. But yeah, so your point about how you know we're kind of coming all the way back around the circle, there's definitely some of that. We have had more than 20 years of like high speed transition for for this industry. Not mm-hmm. just this industry. I mean, the internet. I, I refer to internet, especially in automotive. 1.0 was the internet itself. You know, we didn't have high speed. We're using our phones to dial up one picture to load into your used inventory it took 17 hours. You might as well just you yep. know, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and think, wait, Hey, I've got one picture of a car. There were a lot of things that I think it was fair for dealers to think that the internet would be a fad. I actually, I probably more sharply criticized people that make dealers feel bad that they didn't know that the internet was going to be this you know, monumental uh, uh, change agent for the way they do business. Uh, because you know, there were so many hallmarks of really like that would make it. If I were a dealer, I'd say, "Come on, like you want me to take pictures of all my vehicles?" I get that. I would love to show actual photos of my used inventory because that's where it started. Then it was, I should do yep. it for your new inventory too." But in 1998, loading up a picture—oh my goodness! Not With just my loading it yourself.
1: act digital, digital camera.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew how to really compress images, but then, then the consumer experience, right? We talk wow. about CX all the time now, or user experience, but the user experience, if you clicked on the search results of a used vehicle, and then you wanted to see the details, and then especially if you wanted to actually see the, the vehicle, watching that that loading of a picture <laughs> that took so long, even as a consumer. So on both sides of the equation, it was, I think, fair for somebody to say, really, this is gonna disrupt the car business substantially. But fast forward, and you know, I, I talked a lot about this. In fact, recently, um, oh, well, let me I'll just hit the rewind real quick. Being out on the non-compete and not having to I, I there's two ways to look at it. One is it was kind of a relief in retrospect to not have to be talking about websites and paid search and SEO and all this digital marketing stuff for a year um, because it gets exhausting. And because I was literally sitting on the sideline with all of that stuff, it really refreshed my perspective on what a bloodbath, all of the digital marketing and website business really is from a sales perspective. I would not, I would not want to be selling that stuff now. not that it's not important because it is mm-hmm. but how many dealers in north america need a website because they don't have one right yeah. so what's the market open market opportunity for websites well there is no open market opportunity for websites because everybody has one so they talk about it's commodity well it is very much commodity so how do you say yours is better than the other anyway well it's just it's about stuff. shiny
1: tools right now i mean literally i i I sat down with the dealership this morning actually, and they're on their third website provider in three years. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it's a great dealership. It's just like, it just seems to be, you know what it seems to be? It's just kind of like an overall total lack of strategy. You know, it's like for some reason, you know, either we did it as vendors or as agencies, is that we sold the idea that that a customer experience was a product or a tool that you bought, and not a strategy you actually set down and created.
0: Yeah. Well, the listen the the, the dependency and I think the belief that the internet would uh, really like massively have a huge impact on. Uh, sales acceleration, like more vehicles sold and all this, you know, we're going to meet the needs of the internet customer and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think got a lot of people super excited, mm-hmm. but we definitely, and as we were talking just before we went live, uh, I've been talking about process more than anything else. In fact, yep. um, you know, one of the, one of the companies that I work with uh, is uh, out of New Hampshire called Stralid. They're an outsourced BDC. I'm not, and they're not necessarily a fan of that term because sure. some dealers are like, I don't want to do that. I want to outsource that. But the way that they went about it and the way they built their company and the technology, there aren't very many outsourced BDC companies that really built a technology platform to, one, make themselves more efficient than any dealership and their own salespeople, really, and their own BDC efforts could be. Stralid was smart in that regard. But the other thing, that blew me away when i first and i know the guy that um is the founder and ceo i've known him for a long long time the other brilliant part about their technology on the process side is okay so we haven't really known well which of these investments are the good ones and which ones are really from a hey we got a lead to what percentage actually get to appointment and then more importantly from lead to close Mm -hmm. will strawlets technology actually not only helps their their people provide this perfect experience and perfect process they're now executing the perfect process against every source whether it came in organically through the website paid search through the website or whether it was car guru's trader you know cars.com down here whatever and now i've got as a dealer the insights to say sorry third party lead provider you're actually the worst and i have four of you in play and i'm not Executing a different process against your leads, your leads just happen to be complete garbage, and now that gives the you know leverage that the dealer should have it gives them the control to do that so we've had all the stuff that's kind of blown up and went super fast as it relates to the internet, but yep. we still are dealing with what I believe is a bigger problem, which is is really the process piece
1: and that could be broken I mean, down I mean, to agree the, with you right I mean I think for the most part we've just <clears throat> it's like we've been looking for diet pills. You know, it's just, it's like, literally where, where's the processed diet pill? Can someone sell it to me? It, mm-hmm. take the blue one or the red one, one or the other. Let me just, 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 just sell me the diet pill. Right. It, it's not, no one wants to go to the gym. No one yeah. wants to actually do the work. They just want the bloody diet pill. And yeah. it, it, it's, and, and it seems like for years we've kind of had these tools that have been able to kind of mask the fact that there was a lack of a process. Um, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of gotten to a point where you know we're we're entering into a season of plateau. I'm gonna use the word plateau. I don't want to use the word recession because I don't wanna be one of those one of those podcasters <laughs> that are like, it's a recession, everyone freak out. No, let's just let's call it a plateau, right? I don't know. Do you agree with that? Can we call it that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so now we're going into this, this season of plateau that, yeah, we're not going to sell as many cars as we have sold in the last few years, you know? So again, it's like this, it's this level of reactiveness, but what I've found, and I'm actually kind of curious to see if you found the same is um, is I'm seeing patterns, right? So over the last few years, the dealerships that were focused on developing out their process and creating a strategy behind why they're developing auto process, um, they're not the ones that are calling. They're not the ones that are freaking out. <laughs> you know, they're the ones that are like, "Yeah, it's you know, slow down a little bit, but hey, we're still on par." But then it's like, you know, the ones that just kind of relied on those diet pills for the last three or four years—they're the ones that are like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> yeah. Like, do you no, see I think the same. I, do, you see, do you see the same thing?
0: Yeah. I, so I do, and typically where I see the the differentiation. Is um, a couple, a couple areas. One, a dealer that has never really fixed process, right? Um, they're on the diet pills. Right, they're looking for the keto diet for sales process and all things internet in their business. Um, they definitely are the more on the panic side, right?
1: Yep, we're
0: rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic kind of mentality. <laughs> and, that's a scary place to be. I get it. And margins are razor thin, and especially on the new car side, is for a franchise dealers. So I can see where that panic sets in. The, the side where you see some of these operators that don't get as panicked, um, you kind of dive into well, what's your, what's your strategy, your sales strategy overall? Are you with a lot of the dealers that want to do the well, we're forced to race to the bottom on price? So we'll dip into every single part of, of profit, uh, even to the point where we may be losing money on cars. But if we hit these volume incentives, then we get what we want from the manufacturer in terms of we've got to hit a number. And so if that, that volume incentive is big enough, they're playing the long game for that. Some dealers choose to do that. Others are like, we we've, nope, we've got to make some gross on our vehicles, and so we're going to do that. And then that gets, depending on the market and how many people are not doing that versus you being the only one, you could be in a situation where it feels like you're getting beat all the time. And then you have the dealers who um, have also considered the other parts of their business and how valuable they are, which is, I think, the smartest way to professionally uh, operate your dealership, which would be fixed ops is huge. We can't neglect it, right? Right. are we thinking about growth and fixed ops and are are there things that we could do better in terms of expanding our accessories sales? And then also the component of things like reinsurance, right? The Mm -hmm. dealers that have thought through that, and I've had conversations this summer with at least half a dozen dealers that have said, well, you know, a couple of years ago, we started to realize that there's a more holistic picture of not just How many new, how many used, sold, what service kind of look like. But what can we do in these other parts of the business? Reinsurance being a big component. You know, When the dealer gets into that side of the business, sometimes that ends up being the dealer that doesn't really worry about, well, the market's going to go up and down a little bit in terms of sales, but other profit centers within the dealership help um, bring some equalization to ride out the tougher times on the new vehicle sales side. And then, and and then the other component is there are some dealers that are realizing that their used car business and specifically their certified pre-owned part of their used car business is another uh, area that's just not tapped quite enough.
1: And it's it's so true. You know, I love the fact that you use the word kind of that holistic approach, right? Um, and 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 again, I agree. That's actually a pattern that I'm I, that I've that I've seen. Right? Is that the dealerships that. Um, you know, they're rolling, they're doing their thing, you know, things are kind of, there's there's no screaming, yelling, no skies falling, none of that stuff. Um, is that, you know, probably several years back, they stopped looking at the business on this per department type level and really started looking at the business as a holistic thing including even additional uh, revenue streams, you know, such as insurance and stuff like that, right? Um, yeah. But there's still, Sean, I can't tell you how many meetings I get into where it's like, I got, the service manager on one side, the new car manager on the other side, and you know the, the the service manager wants to kill the used car manager. The used car manager thinks the service manager's a dick. Um, the new car manager hates the parts manager, so won't sell accessories because you know he gouges them or doesn't give them any type of discount. It's a, it's 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 a little, <laughs> you know. And then we're kind of sitting back, and it's like for some reason, like I hate to see it. I hate to say it, but it's it's almost like there were a lot of owners and this is big group, small group, single points. I've seen this almost across the board is that the operational management style was one of let's ping these departments against each other. They'll push each other and that's where we're going to get our profitability.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's kind of crazy, there's, right? <laughs> there's definitely some of that. And yeah, it's super crazy. Um, and and I think that that also speaks to uh, the bigger problem in that equation. At least, in my opinion, is a leadership problem. Mm-hmm. And there there are a lot of dealers that I mean I love dealers. It's like I just at uh, the digital dealer conference last week. One of the first things that I said to um, the attendees in in my room for my session was you know i i've I've worked for lots of companies, some that I really enjoyed all all of them even the ones that I didn't enjoy uh, were beneficial to me you know because I learned um, but I don't work for anybody but myself now and so I'm all in for the dealer that's it I just care about helping dealers uh, become better better operators and i have I have learned some things in this even this past year that some of the dealers that I've reached out to that I've wanted to engage from a uh, maybe they can become a customer, like engage business. I realized that a lot of dealers that i talk to that I'm closest with are actually pretty good operators. And then they are the ones that are like, mm, not so good. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but um, some of them, I think have been beaten down by the internet and all things internet for 20 yeah. plus years that uh, it's, you get weary. Like, can you get back up one more time? How many times can you relearn? Oh, somebody else And it could be happening from a very influential CRM leader Mm -hmm. or somebody from your DMS provider or somebody from your website provider or your digital marketing provider or some other influence in the industry that you really think that their voice is most powerful, but they, they kind of drift. Like who's, who's playing the flute and are we, you know, following the Pied Piper and are we going in the right direction? And when I see things like that going on, um, it, It concerns me because I don't think that there's enough strong leadership that really, when we talk about that holistic, Mm -hmm. how should you really be thinking about your entire dealership? I don't think there are a lot of uh, leaders that aren't inside of retail um, franchise dealerships to to help them. Uh, I don't think there are enough of those people that really get that. I think people are very, very self-serving. I think that a lot of vendors have come up with solutions to the problems that don't exist but it's a cool technology. So, hey, why don't we have this thing that we why need not? To have? Why Like, really? Like, I get it. People want to talk about we're doing all these things and we're super innovative when we come out with this new shit. But it's like, did it really sell more cars? Because everybody backs it into we sold more cars, all this kind of stuff. And, but where's the leadership to know whether or not they should check somebody at the door and say, man, I love you. I'm, gra- I'm glad you guys are making new kinds of stuff. But the biggest problems I have at my dealership that doesn't solve that problem. Mm. So unfortunately, now back to the leadership of the dealership, if they don't really know what their biggest problems are, if they don't really have goals established, we've got to fix these things or we're in trouble.
1: Exactly. No strategy, right? Let's just,
0: the absence of that strategy plan goals, all of those things combined, the absence of that makes a dealer really vulnerable. To every single wolf wearing a sheep costume that wants to walk through the door. And I, you know, I'm not a fan of that. Obviously, dealer superhero is like, I wanna be the, the vigilante that kind of helps protect some of that. Um, but there's, there is a, there's a leadership problem too. And then that's difficult because most dealers don't have a trust network of people that they can really be honest with and say, hey, man, I hate to say this, but I don't know the difference between SEM and SEO. And there are still dealers that really don't know that. And they don't, and they don't, they don't,
1: want, to, they don't want to admit it. They, they're in a place that that's, you know, um, for, for them in their position, for them to admit that, they seem like it would be a bad thing. Um, you know, to your point, you know, I, I, look, we got dealer 20 groups um, that are, you know, poring over the results. But at the end of the day, we know what the root cause of those results maybe not being what they should be is just... A total—it's just the lack of the leadership portion of it, right? So, I mean, I think both of us are in agreement, and we've seen it because it's just been a pattern for the dealerships that are doing well right now. Is that there was either knowingly or unknowingly, all right, there was a strategy behind creating a leadership team, and then out of that leadership team, births a holistic, you know, strategy of how everyone's going to kind of work together for the people out there that are listening and watching right now and I, and i think there are a fair amount that are shaking their heads you know they're agreeing with us you know you guys are right you know i've look i've tried every diet tool out there every diet pill you know and i'm kind of getting I'm, I'm i'm getting tired of the diet pills you know what would you say would be you know if we were them some actionable things it's like okay no, you're right it's my leadership i want to go start fundamentally start making changes next week in my leadership in my leadership team what would you say? What would be a few of the things you say, hey, here's where you start?
0: Um, look in the mirror, start there.
1: It's good.
0: Um, I, I say this, uh, I have been saying this really since my departure from Dealer On and that whole time period of kind of reflection. Um, I started saying to say, listen, I'm sure the mirrors are not broken in your dealership. And, um, and if they are, then just look at the one at your, in your house before you walk in or drive into your dealership. The reason why that to me is kind of a powerful statement is because that's how I'm living my life, right? Mm-hmm. If I look in the mirror and I can't be honest with myself, you know, how would I expect anybody to step into a room and listen to me talk about something? Exactly. How would I expect anybody would even want to watch this podcast and really care what Sean Raines has to offer in a conversation with jason harris right so i i start with myself and then that allows me to tell other people start with yourself and the reason why i say that this you're going to be like oh i i am tracking with you buddy like you're going to be sidecar my motorcycle right now because if you don't do that and you keep pushing off the personal responsibility that you need to take as the leader at that dealership if you keep pushing off those responsibilities of knowledge and then doing something with the knowledge even if you're not the expert guy you don't have to be a web developer you don't have to know how to go into the back end of your site and change up various pieces of uh your code for yep. better search results you don't have to deal with that but if you don't have a base level knowledge of that and you keep pushing that off here's the problem you're empowering somebody probably in your organization and giving them a leverage that they probably shouldn't have
1: Yeah, mm, you to Because I have
0: seen there are a lot of people that maybe they're the perfect person to help the dealership or the dealer group. That's great. But you're going to push that off to the point where their leverage is also going to be part of their own value that you're going to no longer be able to afford because they're going to use the fact that you pushed it all off to them. They're going to use that leverage back against the dealership and parlay that into a bigger opportunity. And they're also going to think that they're actually more amazing than they really are. Because you didn't actually take the responsibility. I, I lead this. thing, And so then some dealer may be listening to this right now and say, yeah, that's easy for you to say. I I don't get it. I hate computers. I've been in, Sean, I'm 70 years old. I'm 65. I don't.
1: Don't even have a smartphone.
0: Excuses, excuses, excuses. If you're going to stay in any industry and it changes and technology pushes it into this new stratosphere. Okay. You have to have a baseline knowledge there, or you can't complain if bad things happen. And bad things happen to dealers, and it still happens to this day, when they don't know enough that they have to depart or impart that, give it to someone else. And then you perhaps, um, without even knowing it, you're giving somebody more leverage and control in the dealership than they maybe should have. And you don't know how to defend against it. Well, now what's gonna happen? You're either gonna have a hard time keeping that person, that person is gonna be actually the one that's guiding the ship more so than you, spending your money. That's, I mean, that's the part to me where I think it, um, it, it needs to be where, and so if a dealer's watching this right now, like, well, how would we do that? Reach out to somebody like me or to Jason Harris and say, hey, can we just have a conversation? Like, how would we do that? Because I would tell a dealer, Try to use me for that. Even if it's something where you don't have to pay me for that. I'm not just saying, hey, come and bring your business to me. But you need to find someone, whether it's a Jason or a Sean or other, maybe another dealer. That well, it's, is, it's,
1: it's a dealer therapist. It's your <laughs> trust
0: network. It's your, well, it's your trust network. Yes, right? exactly. It's your people, of people where you can start to realize I can get smarter here. Like I need to be a part of something or have someone that allows me to get there so that I'm not allowing that to happen. Uh, in in my my business, because it ha- it's happening right now. There's tons and yes. tons of people. Some of them get so successful in retail because they've learned analytics. And they're like, oh, man, I uncovered all these things that I need to tell the world. And I'm like, um, everybody knows that. That's not that revolutionary. But they, the dealership thinks it's amazing. And then they parlay that into... No, know I think I'm going to make myself into a celebrity in the automotive industry because there's so many stupid people. I'm going to be the king of the idiots. Like, we have a ton of that in automotive. And for me, a guy who's Yoda, not Luke, I've been in it for a long time. I can spot those people from a million miles away. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But I don't really care about those people so much. I care about, well, there's a dealer at the other end of that equation. That allowed that to happen didn't know that it was being allowed to happen, and hopefully that person has enough integrity that they would never you know, use it against the dealer. But unfortunately, that it, it, that happens a lot, and then the dealer all the way back to square one. Like, oh my goodness, you got this rock star, superstar, superhero that worked for us, and now they're gone because they want to be a superstar speaker and you know start their own podcast and you know what you know. <laughs> It's like, what are we
1: doing, man? It's- no, no, it's, it's true. And in fact, actually, I mean, there's something you said that, I mean, I think really kind of really sums this up well is that, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you guys are shaking your head and you're agreeing with us, that's great. Um, but uh, Sean, you said, you know, being the captain of your ship. And to, to your point, I would agree. I am not meeting or sitting down with as many owners that I would actually call them the captain. Like they're they're not. There's someone else, either in their organization that is steering the ship. And I've always, I guess, kind of struggled with that a little bit because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's your You're you're the one that's signing the checks. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, yes, yes, you need a good, you know, first lieutenant. You need a second lieutenant. You need to have a great support team. I'm not saying don't don't remove that, but mm-hmm. you know, to your point you know, as, as an owner looking at ourselves in the mirror, taking back our accountability for ourselves and saying, am I being the captain that I should be right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think yeah. that's a great place to start. And, you know, and I think just admitting, you know, we know what we know, we know what we don't know. You know, it's uh when I meet those, it's usually that's the best. Um, And yeah, it's that support team, man. You gotta connect with someone or find someone. You know, it's um, I'm amazed how many LinkedIn in messages I get on a regular basis to say, "Can I just talk to you?" Sure, we call. You know, Um, you know, and it's worked out great because I'm not a trainer, I'm not a coach. I'm just hell. I'm actually the marketing guy. I'm the one that's really in trouble right now. (laughs) But you know, it's just I, you know, it's. I had a conversation with the other day and it was like, it did not make sense for them to continue to invest into their marketing efforts at such an exponential rate when they weren't really investing into their team efforts. Mm -hmm. Well, you know,
0: and sometimes good leadership or being the captain of your ship uh, could look like I've had this conversation with, I couldn't even tell you how many dealers it could look like, Hey, I'm the dealer principal. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, I need a general manager who's going to be that person. And so you can get down out of the dealer principal level into the GM level and even GSM level, but at the general manager level, there's still too many general managers that also kind of follow suit in the, um, you know, I don't want to be the, you know, the internet expert guy, whatever I need people, whether it's at the, because it's rarely actually nowadays, like at the dealer principal level that, you know, they're actively involved, um, Oftentimes that's the general manager, but if it is the general manager who you're like, that's the captain of our ship. The general manager, I'd never say, "Hey, you need to and you need to, the expectation of you is to be a broad, well-rounded expert in all things digital and internet and all that." No, you don't have to, but you do have to have at least somebody who is uh, in um, a management role mm-hmm. that you have. Thoroughly vetted. That's your, like part of your trust network, because if you don't have that, and this is one of the ways that actually have gone to, to dealers and said, well, here's, here's a role that I can play for you. If you don't have that in your organization, well, I've got internet people. I've got an e-commerce
1: director. I love that title. (laughs) (laughs) um um, so they're like 15 um, different titles for the for that position but yeah
0: (laughs) you got your internet people or whatever there are still a lot of general managers that being the captain of the ship might mean that you outsource a little piece of i need somebody that's going to actually be able to translate what's really going on here and help me understand what's really happening um there's there's a place for that too that's kind of the place one of the spots where where i kind of play in um, not every dealer needs it. Sometimes it's the identification of well, maybe you already have those people. If you do, great. But yep. if you don't, then all the way back to my comments about it, you may be allowing something to happen slowly, but could be, you know, devastating, pretty catastrophic to your business. Like literally, could make you have to start all over again. With man, we were doing pretty good with all this internet stuff, and then it fell apart because we over, um, you know, we, we gave too much responsibility and then ultimately leverage to somebody that we shouldn't have
1: trusted,
0: not with that much responsibility.
1: It's it's like having this conversation. I keep thinking of that. uh, What was that song? Uh, Is it Carrie Underwood that did it? You know, she takes her hands off the steering wheel. It's like, Jesus, take the wheel. And it's just like, nobody actually. It was, I think it was, was but uh, it was Hey, you know, it's almost like I kind of feel that at the dealerships. I can see it as the theme song as the dealership. You know, it's just like, nobody wants to put their damn hands on the steering wheel. Um, and, and so, you know, for, for dealerships out there, um, cause I, cause I also find that I think there are dealerships out there that think someone does have their hands on the steering wheel, but in reality, like to your point, we'll go in there, you know, start poking around a little bit, you know, doing kind of our thing and realize mm, no, not really there, there, there isn't anybody's hands on the steering wheel right now. It's just kind of rolling as it is and taking the bumps as it kind of comes along, um, how, you know, what does it look like for a dealership, you know, or I'm, I'm really kind of talking to owners right now. This is where I'm kind of going with this is, you know, how can an owner ensure that those hands are on the steering wheel?
0: Um, again, I think that uh, you have to do a self-assessment. So whether it's the mirror, um, as a metaphor or analogy, um, it is, You have to be honest with yourself. How much do you really know about every part of your business that's happening right now? Not just, you know, how many ROs did we put through the service department last month compared to this month, last year? How many new vehicles did we sell this month compared to last month and compared to, you know, the same time last year? Those are all common, right? All the things that go into a a typical 20-group composite, right? Those are all good things to know, but any good general manager and ultimately dealer principal that still stays involved with the business, they know all of those things, which is great. You have to also do the, the self-assessment of, okay, well, what are all the other components that uh, feed our business? How do we generate yeah. leads, right? So there's a component it's of- accountable
1: for yeah. that stuff, right? I mean, like, I yeah.
0: just, you know, I- That to go
1: back to people.
0: Yes. And then, eventually, then, service providers or vendors. So you have to have an idea of what that ecosystem looks like, and then- There are various compartments. Like you as a marketing expert, you know that part of what you're doing in a marketing strategy is consideration to a brand, right? And some of it is in consideration of advertising and all of that is part of a marketing strategy. In our industry, I think the internet complicated a lot of things and I've said this for years. I haven't actually talked about this regularly in a long time. But in our industry, in the auto industry, a lot of times branding and marketing and advertising are all thrown into the same bucket and people are like, "Yeah," and then this is what we have. It's all kind of the same thing and it's not at all the no. same thing. So uh, for a dealer, when you're talking about, well, what should they do or what's important Understand that you are investing and you get the opportunity. In some cases, if you're in OEM programs, there may be some limitations on how broad you can be in terms of choice and what you want to do. But you still do, in most cases, have some choices. So you have to be educated enough. You have to be informed enough. You have have to have, like have the initiative to get the knowledge about these things that then define your decision-making and lead your decision-making. So why yes. do we have this company as our website provider? That's a great question to ask yourself if you've never asked it. <laughs> if you have your website provider, because most other people around in and around the Toronto area ha- have them and they it looks pretty good and I like the way aesthetically it pleases my eyes, I, was that the best choice? Maybe, but the better choice would be, well, we need to vet them based on what's the job of the website. Well, we want it to convert traffic because we spend a whole bunch of money to drive people to that website. And then once they get there, what do we want to do? We want them to call us. We want them to fill out a form. We want them to chat with us, whatever. We want them to convert into an opportunity to do business with them. That's the kind of granular stuff that I think a lot of people at the top that didn't go there or they don't have somebody that helps them. They get exhausted with it because listen, I, I say all that, and I can say it and it makes it sound like, well, Sean, you know, all this, it's simple and easy, it's like the back of your hand. So I understand that side too, that it's like, it's not easy. It, it requires effort, but that essentially is what you'd have to do. It's not just look in the mirror, it's look in the mirror and say, okay, I need to understand all these components. And if I can't do that, is there some other way? Is there another person that I can bring on my staff that will do that, that I can have a tremendously deep amount of trust with, or is there somebody, a, a source outside? I can say, I need you to help me with this stuff, like strategy, right? I need to know, how do I put that together? But even if you go outside, even if you were to hire Jason Harris to help come in with strategy, if you hire Sean Rains to help with some strategy or someone other than the two of us, if you bring that person in, don't just have them lay out the plan. Learn from that plan. Why is that? Ask a lot of questions as to why uh, a Sean Raines would say, evaluate what's going on within the website provider for these reasons and understand that you need to impart. I want to impart that knowledge to a dealer so that now it's theirs, right? My, my experience, any idea that I have is worthless if I don't share it. So I'm all about abundance. Scarcity means nothing to me because I'm not afraid to compete with anybody on the mother truck and planet. And I want to give all of that as much as I can to my target audience of who I want to help the most, dealers. So if you're a dealer listening to us talk about this, don't just find someone, whether they're already working for you or you hire somebody, to help you understand why website choice, why paid search or why not paid search, or how much paid search versus how much investment in organic, in SEO, versus should we do anything with geofencing? Should we do anything with... Uh, display advertising or remarketing or should we do some Pandora radio sponsorship? Do we need an outsourced BDC? Is our internal process terrible? Is our turnover rate so high and it's never going to be better because we've got terrible sales management. All of these things that need to be fixed, you actually have to go into each segment, Mm -hmm. compartmentalize all those things and go into each compartment and you have to ask the right questions, accumulate the right knowledge and then figure out where are opportunities to grow. And here's what makes it even more difficult. All of those things can't be done at the same time, and all of them are not equally important to each other, right? One or two of those three things are far more important and critical to your business health than others. So you also have to be able to look at all that stuff and put it in a prioritized order and chase after the stuff that's critically
1: important versus the stuff that's important but not critical. Instead of just instead of just chasing after the shiny stuff, right? I mean, and it kind of yeah. sounds like, you know, if we could give the dealers some advice or a good place to kind of start is creating a what I call an accountability tree, right? Um, really identifying who the hell is actually holding look this accountable, that accountable. I mean, look, we're spending tens of thousands of dollars a year if not sometimes hundreds of thousand of dollars a year in crms in our crm system we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in our marketing efforts we're spending you know hundreds of thousand of dollars a year it's, it's all these little places but i don't necessarily think that at the end of the day you know because it's never documented right you know who's who's supposed to be holding these accountable within your team you know it's like all right well, okay you're holding these this portion accountable. You need to hold this portion accountable. I'll hold these guys accountable, you know, but then to your point, we need to be, we need to educate ourselves enough so that we can hold someone accountable.
0: One of the things that came from um, a lot of my more corporate training and actually one of the things that I have always um, appreciated about the almost eight years that I worked for Reynolds and Reynolds was um, I got to go through their uh, management training, and I was, you know, much younger, young younger guy in those those days. But it was it was very effective, um, very very helpful and very beneficial. And it's one of the things that I I still to this day get a lot of mileage out of in helping dealers think through how are they managing staff, how do they handle conflict resolution, how do they understand the different communication profiles of people. Right in big companies, they'll often uh, run people through the personality tests like DISC or, you know, like Myers-Briggs type stuff. Um, and uh, and then they will utilize that so people know that they're high I followed by D or, um, you know, whatever the profile is. Now they understand that they can um, appreciate derailment issues. Um, with people that are different than them in terms of, well, maybe they're really conscientious and they're really just like, I just want to stick to the work kind of thing. I don't care what happened on the weekend. If you don't give me details, you're really irritating me versus the person who's very social and like, how are you? And they want to know if there's things going on in your life. All of those dynamics kind of play into um, what I like to talk to dealers about when we're talking about how are you operating from people perspective and a management perspective, including, I like to ask dealers, um, you know, what is your typical uh, interview sound like, look like questions that you ask of new salespeople to join your organization? And it's usually, you ever sold cars before? Uh, Where'd you sell them at? Uh, I've worked here and here and here. Like what on average about how many cars you sell a month? Oh, I'm a 10 car guy on average probably, but I've I've had 20 car months or whatever. Okay, you're hired, you know, there's some of that. And so when I get into that, the reason why I ask dealers questions like that is because I, I will say, have you ever considered asking a salesperson, uh, especially one that has sold cars before, um, are, are you familiar with CRM tools? Because most guys that have worked in a dealership, of course, you're going to say, of course, yeah. Um, last dealership you worked at, uh, what CRM did they use? Oh, they used a dealer socket, They used Vin Solutions, whatever. Okay, great. Um, how many different CRM tools have you used in your car selling experience? Just by name. All of them you can think of. Great. Which one was your favorite? We're, you know, and then play it off as like you're kinda, you know, kinda kinda looking around or whatever. But ask them a question like that because when they tell you their favorite, then you can also say, which ones did you struggle with? Like we're trying to really work through some of that. And when they tell you the ones because they will tell you the ones that they absolutely hate, or they might, like a lot of salespeople, I freaking hate CRM Man, it's wasting my time I'm just trying oh. to sell cars don't hire that person oh thanks for the
1: interview look at the time i gotta go but how many dealers are asking a
0: like, they're not asking a question like
1: that well that, that goes down to our cultural shift there has to be a fun i mean not, not not only is there a leadership uh change that has to happen as far as creating this accountability tree and then educating ourselves you know to to be able to hold people accountable. That's that there's some significant ROI in that as well. Um, but to your point, to the team, like we got to get out of this superstar culture crap. And, you know, not, we got to stop hiring for the the 20 car, 30 car, 40 car a month, you know, superstar. And you know what it is, we, we've been plagued with nothing but focusing on nothing but results. And, you know, I find as a pattern, all right, the dealerships that spend more time focusing on the efforts have the better mm-hmm. results. What is a surprise! Uh, <laughs> right? That's all,
0: you're, you're almost defining uh, how any well-trained uh, and operating sales team works is they are managing sales uh, effort, right? More so than they are sales results because the absence
1: of managing the sales effort is the reason why the sales results don't exist. Exactly. They're they're stuck in this stupid cycle where they're just like, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know. And, And you know, what's funny is when I think of other verticals, you know, and other industries we're like one of the last few that are constantly stuck in this, this, I don't know, this black tar pit of just focus on results, focus on results, focus on results where, you know, it's like, Everybody, all these other verticals, all these other industries are, are focusing on the efforts and by doing so are being more profitable, becoming less or becoming more uh, recession proof, uh, providing better customer experiences. Because I guess when you actually focus on the efforts, your customers also get the benefit of that as well. You know, sorry, I get fired up about this stuff. <laughs>
0: just, no, and you know, it makes me think too about, you know, when you're talking about, you know, this um, you know, accountability inside the dealership. One of the things that I also highly recommend to dealers is please make sure that you're doing um, at least um, an annual, but hopefully even a semi-annual review um, mm. and have ha- have a process for that, have a form for that. You know, in most uh, larger organizations, uh, there's a, sometimes a quarterly, but always a semi-annual and an annual review. Annual review time is when you, of course, for most people are thinking well maybe i get a slight bump in pay maybe a you know a cost of living increase or but based on your performance right there could be other incentives and it might just be an annual bonus but hey man you hit this number for the year this was huge because last year we said hey man you did you know 100 cars last year that's great but your new goal for 2020 is going to be 120 cars. And at the end of 2020, you did 123. Hey, you got above hundred percent of your goal. So you're getting a $10,000 bonus. If you have a structure like that in play, like again, when I talk about like, let's run your dealership really professionally, if yep. you actually go through the uh, exercise of putting together those types of plans within uh, how you're managing your people, not only will you probably uh, cut down your turnover, But you'll also uh, develop people into, like, you want to talk about real superstars. They don't have to be like prolific on the internet. They will just become people that your organization was the organization that took people, maybe raw and a little rough around the edges, and put them through a plan and into a plan of management that makes them better and better and better. So each of those semi annual review, annual review, you're sitting down and saying, You know, are you below expectations on these things? Are you meeting expectations, exceeding expectations? Are you super outstanding, which is typically the rare category? But if so, those all have a point value comments that your manager writes up or your supervisor writes up about specific things. It forces, you talk about accountability.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Your supervisors and managers now have to participate in actually supervising and managing people because they're the ones that are going to be responsible for making sure that those people, each person on their team is being managed and supervised for personal growth and the output we can get from these people. Plus those people are being given very clear objectives as to how to get better. And when they're wondering, how can I make more money? Or could I work my way into a management position? Or could I go over here and maybe run the BBC? Or could I do this? It's done by that in in terms of a process. But again, How many dealerships do you go into that are working it that way? I know some, I do know some that are like that, but they're
1: rare. Yeah. Well, you know what though? And I mean, gosh, I could do almost an entire podcast just on pay on pay plans because you want to talk about diet pills. Oh, okay. Let's just, let's make the pay plan actually uh, develop out our team. Let's not develop them. We'll just, we'll just create a pay plan and pay plan will do all the work for us. Right. Um, But you know, it's, it's, it's focusing, we're, we're paying people on their results and not necessarily their efforts which is kind of mind-boggling because that doesn't happen in professional sports right i mean it's it's a team this is an effort-based thing um i always thought how cool would it be if every if every manager and salesperson out there had their own sports card right And, Mm -hmm. and the back of the sports card had their stats you know because it's yes the results are on there but all of your defined efforts are on there as well and it's like if you just hand me that baseball card i flip over the back yeah I want you on my team <laughs> like let's go ahead and let's go ahead
0: and do that in the vendor world too
1: oh all good
0: hundred percent yeah you know oh I'm the best salesperson this uh, industry's ever seen I can sell your websites I can sell your digital marketing services I can sell your widget this, your shiny device, <laughs> yeah. <that. I> <laughs> your Google, really and then we look on the back of their sports card and we're like, and man they had one awesome year what, what's up with that? one awesome year the rest of it's like yep. I don't even they're below the Mendoza line, which is not where you want to be. And uh, so that one year, and you look a little bit more and you're like, oh, I was in that one year. The one, oh, that's the first year the such and such provider that I worked for got this massive deal with this huge manufacturer, and they immediately got 752 dealers. Ah, uh, so you were shooting fish in a barrel for a year, and I guess everybody else was on the sales team that year at that company looked like a million bucks too. And then reality hit.
1: Yep. Like that would be funny. I would. It would, it would be awesome. But but to your point, right? I mean, you know, hiring, training, coaching, um, and creating culture on efforts rather than results. I, I feel like the dealerships that do do that, and there are some that do. I mean, there are, mm-hmm. um, man, it is so freaking obvious. I mean, it's it's almost so obvious that you can walk into the dealership and actually see it, you know, okay. it's, whatever changes they made or whatever modifications they made. It's just, you can tell that there's a passion there. Um, Hey, Sean, Thank you so much for, uh, for jamming with me today, man. This has been great. And I know we could easily go for a couple more hours. Um, but sure. hey, for, for everybody out there that's uh, listening or watching right now, but would love to learn more about what you're doing, what is the best way for them to connect with you?
0: Um, I purposely keep my website pretty, pretty vague. Right? But you can go to dealersuperhero.com. There are numbers and email addresses. But if you, if you want to expedite all of that, I would just tell them that uh, if it email is your preference, it's Sean, as long as you spell it right, S H A U N, at dealersuperhero.com. Um, uh, do you give out cell phone numbers if people are? Go for it, dude. Absolutely. So you can also text or call me directly. Um, my personal line at 214 934 6964. You can easily find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook pretty easily. Um, so any of those uh, avenues. And then obviously, if you know Jason, if you're well-connected with Jason and what he's you doing to me, <laughs> you can put
1: you in touch with me as well. Sean, I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen and connect. I mean, me dude, so. your passion and your authenticity and just your drive to want to help, you know, dealers and others just I can do better at the end of the day has just been awesome. Thank, thank, thanks again so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it's been my pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Have a good one. You too, man. Okay. Are we live? Are we off? Austin's staring at me. We're still not. Okay, we're still live. And I I <laughs> <laughs> no, it's off. It's like an awkward pause. <laughs> awkward pause. Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. That was cool. Yeah, man. Again, I appreciate
0: you having me. I'm glad we finally were able to put it together. And um, yeah, good, good time as, as uh, I expected it would be.
1: Yeah. You know, you're in Colorado, right? Uh, Texas. Texas. God, why did I think Colorado? Um, we're in Texas. We talked about this. And one Dallas. Day. Dallas area. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. in Frisco, but that's a a northern suburb of Dallas. I remember we talked about this. I used to live in Fort Worth. I'm actually in Dallas. I'm all, no, I'm in Texas next week in Austin. I'm in Austin next week for the Rockstar, okay. Auto, for the Rockstar Auto Conference. Oh, nice. That'll be yeah. fun. Have you done any of those with, um, with Matt, Koenig? I have
0: not. I, I have not. He's mentioned it to me a couple of times. Like, hey, man, you need to do it. And I, I think it's always been either uh, travel schedule or just, you know, just dates didn't line up. Yeah, uh, but I haven't. Have you done them?
1: Yeah, I um, I did his Vegas one. Uh, mm-hmm. I did the Detroit one, and mm-hmm. then Austin, and then Seattle. I'm to be back in Seattle in October.
0: So, is it um, like for for you? Would you, I mean, if you're just being kind of candid and sure, assessing, absolutely. are you still in the kind of discovery phase to find out if being a participant in it will help you drive your business objectives or is it yeah. just expanding the network or like, how are you looking? That's,
1: that's, where I'm, that's where I'm seeing the ROI right now. It's just expanding the network. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, um, being in Canada, I, I've done a pretty good job of kind of creating my network and doing it up here, but come to the U S you know, a lot of people don't know who I am, you know, or, or what I'm kind of up to. So it's been really cool. I mean, even, not necessarily just from the client side, but just as much as just even from the vendor side, you know, uh, meeting a lot of American vendors that I've never met in the past. And, you know, I'm I'm creating these relationships and connections. So I don't see the ROI is going to be in direct, in direct clients. Like I don't see that at all. I think the ROI is just going to be in, in, just awareness and you know just making those new connections you know and just because i mean it's funny because I'll, I'll find that you know i'll talk to a lot of these vendors and they'll do some work in canada but not a lot you know mm-hmm. but they, they never really kind of have anybody you know that can really kind of a, they're like oh oh you know what someone called me from canada the other day and there were dead and i'm like well i can help with that um yeah so
0: yeah so i i, I mean i've heard that Rockstar is. Like, they've done a pretty good job of getting um, sponsor support, but, you know, they're still working on kind of, you know, landing the what's the right cadence to get a lot of dealers, you know, participating or attending. And yeah. I don't know if that's changed for them. But for me, it's like, you know, I would love to participate in, like, all of them, small regional yeah. events, all that kind of stuff. But there's mm-hmm. costs to all of it, and you know that yeah. – fr- and this is what's happened for me, in the you know, since I've kind of gone back on my my own this time around Mm -hmm. because I'm just trying to be really selective as to, well, where even digital dealer last
1: week, I was kind of like,
0: okay, I need to make that work because there's no...
1: Anything work there for you on that one?
0: I did end up having a a, a few really um, great meetings that could turn into some stuff. I mean, I'm doing stuff that I hadn't expected before where like (laughs) private equity companies are like, man, there are very few people that have been in it as long as you... And so we'd like, what's your hourly rate or, hey, could we buy this much of your time on retainer to help us through some M&A stuff, which I've never previously um, post dealer on. Now I've done this for a couple of different companies yeah. where I've done some um, advisory work for mergers and acquisitions with various people who are looking to invest in our industry. Yep. And so I had a conversation about some of that uh, there. I had a couple of conversations with startups um, that, you know, we'll see. I mean, they were pretty exciting conversations, whether they pay off or not, which is we'll we'll, we'll see on that part. But all of them for me, it's like, if uh, if I think that it can help me generate uh, more revenue and kind of grow what I'm trying to accomplish, then, okay, then it makes sense for me to participate. But if, if I question that even a little bit, it, it may be that I'm, um, I would not be in personal attendance for stuff, and that's not specific to Rockstar. That's just in general. If yeah. it's an, an if it's an environment that I don't think that'll work, I have to be really, really selective. And then I'm like you, I reserve probably I don't know how many slots a year, but there are a handful of them that I reserve. Well, if I can make that, I think that would be good for network. I wanted to come up to do your your event at Rogers Center, not just because I'm a stupid baseball fan, you know, <laughs> but I got great idea, great. Environment, all of that, but nice. I I love uh, the 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 thought of being able to do some more things in Canada, just like you, you know, yep. with the U.S. market, and so that's to me, there's network value to that. Just date wise, it was like I don't know how I'm gonna make. That's alright, no partners.
1: worries, man. <laughs> but in the future,
0: in the future, certainly um, there are certain opportunities that to me would be more valuable or more lucrative from a networking perspective, yep. and certainly up there up north is probably more so than another. I mean, I've done James Ziegler's events and nothing against Jim, but I don't know that the internet battle plan would be super um, uh, lucrative for me. Same thing with Sean Bradley's internet sales 20 groups. I don't know that I've done them before when I was especially in the dealer on era. But personally, I know how those events are kind of put together. I'm not sure that any of them would favor uh favor me so that's as you know it's being on your own you're trying to navigate what are all the right places and people to be connected with and opportunities to to show up and then does it does it come back if i'm going to sit here and talk about looking in the mirror and running a business professionally i gotta be doing it myself the best that i can and it's really tempting to want to have your faith i have people all the time like, why aren't you doing your own podcast you need to do more content people like hearing from you i'm like i get it but it's just me And so until I can grow that piece to be able to produce more media. um, I've got to be doing these other things as well. And that's, I think a lot of people don't, they, I think they see my personality and they're like, man, your personality works well for more media, more media. But I don't think they realize, yeah, but there are times when I'm literally sitting in some big high rise in some big metro city talking to a private equity or a venture capital company about what they're trying to do. And they're like, most people are not thinking that Sean Reigns is sitting in a meeting like that, you know, wearing
1: a suit <laughs> or something. So, well, it's probably, to, to, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing to capture, right? Um, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, if they would it's, allow it. But like meetings, you know,
0: they're going to be like, uh, you can't say any of these companies' names. You can't.
1: <laughs> well, that's usually the, the way it is. Is like when I go in, like, um, let's just start with GoPros. Now we've actually kind of stepped it up a bit more. But I record with, I record almost every single meeting that I'm in. And it's just, yeah. but you never know who I'm talking to. It's never identified what company it is. It's just that little piece that comes out of that thing. And you know, I just look at them as they're just at bats. Sometimes I'll put it out there, and it resonates with someone, and it does something. Otherwise, it's just kind of a dud. I I, I swing out, I strike out, and I'm back in the dugout again, waiting to go at it again. You know, so who does all the who does the post editing of all the content? So I have a team of three. Um, and they are, I'm sorry, a team of four. That's right. I just hired another one. Um, so the team, a team of four and, um, honestly, dude, I just had to literally give up entire creative control. I have no clue at any given moment what the hell they're actually posting. Um, you know, it's like, we'll have. You know, we'll have our, you know, biweekly meetings as far as just making sure that the content has some direction to it and that we're at least mixing it up. So it's not all just marketing or all just operations or all just this, you know, but yeah. I'll do a lot of it so, there, man, a lot of trial. For there. the time being, I
0: have the team of me. So yeah. anything you see that I've done from a video perspective, that's all me. Um, if it's the that's scripted cool. stuff, that I typically do for what's going on with Sean. Um, but that's all. That's all me shooting it. Uh, typically, if it's scripted stuff, I've, nobody else writes those other than I uh, myself. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. So I have interest in in doing more of that. I just have yeah. to balance a couple of other things and get a couple of other uh, deals going in those areas. And then I'm, that's essentially what I'm trying to do right now is get more people involved that can help with some of the. Uh, real heavy lifting components of actually operating yeah. my business yeah. so that I can continue to kind of lead it as the face and put more content out there. I'm trying to get um, at least one video, of what's going on with Sean video out every week. Nice. Uh, some will be more humorous than others, but yeah. So it's all good, man. I appreciate the fact that you're like just doing it and getting all that content out there.
1: And- I, I mean, I'm not perfect at it by any means. I'm, you know, someone asked me the other day, you know, like why do you put out so much fucking content? And I'm like, honestly, because I gotta figure out what's working or not. Like, I mean, yeah. if I'm like honestly, I'm sometimes I'm sometimes surprised by what the hell actually ends up getting in game. I seriously have not figured out the formula. I just don't know yet. Like, and it just yeah. we've been at it. Like we just started this new project that so this year I spent a lot of money on these game changers. I had no sponsors the entire thing was funded completely on me so 90 90K, 90k is what i ended up spending on these fucking game changers um roi no, we'll see um, <laughs> you know yeah. i say that and then i we just signed this big dealer group of like 18 dealerships and you know it was funny because it was a internet sales rep at one of their locations came to the event not even somebody in any level of authority whatsoever Um, Um, but they came, then they were with a they were in a meeting with her her boss and had mentioned something, and then her boss had mentioned something to her boss and then was just like, uh, well, call him. We got some questions, maybe he can answer. And then just like honestly, man, you just never know when the hell this stuff's gonna come up. But this new project sometimes happens
0: that
1: way. Yeah, this new project I'm actually really excited about. Um, it's grown legs a lot faster than I thought it was going to. I'm doing an extreme dealer makeover. So I'm actually doing it. Yeah. So the podcast that we're doing right now, I'm actually inside the dealership. So I actually gave up my fancy office downtown and I've literally physically moved into a dealership and I'm going to live in this dealership for the next 12 months. Well, 14 months actually. And yeah. um, I am the, deal, the dealer principal who I've known for a while but is literally pretty much just gave me the, proverbial keys to the kingdom and said all right you do it (laughs) i'm like okay fair enough so you know we have eight vendors now signed up that you know they're donating their service or their product um they're going to be a part of the whole of the whole series we started recording it we're going to record it all through october it's going to launch this january 1 of 2020 there'll be Mm -hmm. 52 15 minute episodes. So an episode every single week and there's two podcasts attached to it. There's a vendor podcast and then an extreme dealer makeover dealer podcast. So that's just me sitting down with the managers and stuff like that, talking about how things are moving, how we're pushing the needle and stuff like that. But it's literally this year. I've, I don't know if it's going to pay off. I hope it does, but I literally just put my money where my mouth is and just. How much <laughs> are you going to disclose about the before, right? a lot versus okay yeah like it was it it took me a while to find the dealership it literally took me all of 2019 to pretty much find the dealership that was willing to do this and it came down to three different dealerships and then really the differentiating factor between the three was kind of personalities you know Hmm. it's like this dealership is cool i got a i got jju he's the you know dealer principal kid right Mm -hmm. um you know and then i got curtis you know the gsm and he's just the old crusty you know but lovable you know kind of just shut the fuck up we get back to work you know um (laughs) you know character so it just the characters here um i think are such a good representation of so many characters so many other dealerships that that's Mm -hmm. what i thought the, the value is going to be, you know, people can really relate, you know, they can relate yeah. with the arts manager. They can relate with the service manager. They can relate with the, you know, the uh, new car manager. He's young. I think he's 20, 28 or 29 or something like that. Right. Well, I'm intrigued already. <laughs> well, it, you idea. ever, you ever want to pop up here and be a, uh, just a, a random uh you know hey we got a special guest this week on uh on the series no let me know man if you want to do it <laughs> yeah i mean dude that's gonna be i don't
0: know that 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 might take on a life of its own i mean it, that could end up being, always possible like, right <laughs> it
1: yeah could fucking it's, not, I mean,
0: it's <laughs> funny you know this is many many years ago i want to say <clears throat> At least seven, maybe eight years ago. I might be longer than that. It doesn't matter. long time ago, um, it might have been the first day that I met Tom White Jr., who was at the time GM at Subaru of Wichita. And uh, Scott Pittman was the owner. And they were doing all these great things with their brand. I was just blown away. And met him and we hit it off. Instant friends. And I would say within hours of us just talking and rifting through things in the industry and all of that he was like we need to do something where like let's start a company where we go and do dealership takeovers now we never talked about well let's do video stuff but i'm like that's a great freaking idea because what you guys have done first with suzuki at wichita and then suzuki went away and Subaru was like we want to put a point in wichita kansas if you guys are interested (laughs) because we think you're operators and they did and did the same thing with Subaru just skyrocket like but they have a culture they have a processes and people and everything they do is so impressive that I was like but that's the that's the model like you guys have a mold it'd be interesting if you could take that elsewhere and you know refine it a bit and then duplicate that and you could document here's where we were here's what that would be super cool and now here you are doing it, dude. That's so cool. I'm, I'll, I'll be, uh, I will be very much sitting on the sidelines, hoping that you're hitting home runs, man. I would. Yeah, be
1: I'm cool. glad you think it's cool. I'm, uh, you know, it's like I've been talking about it for a while, but now I'm actually here, and it's all kind of happening, and I'm kind of like going, oh shit, did I just <laughs> bite off more than I can shoot? Did I can just, it's like, and, and, and the funny thing is, is, I can't fail at this. I mean, if I fuck this up, like. People are gonna know <laughs> like yeah it's, I don't know people can recover from a lot of things, so it's, I, mean, I we have seen that happen a few times in our industry, right uh, yes <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: regular basis actually <laughs> really? and um, it, it could very well be that the first time you do this that you, all the real substantial or at least some of the most substantial uh, takeaways and learning uh, opportunities are are gonna be ones that. Um, I think might define the long-term success of doing something like that. So I wouldn't be afraid of any of it. In fact, you're probably already, but I would be expecting all kinds of things like that and um, embracing for for what they are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hey, when we get deep into this, man, I'd love for you to come up and jam sometime. It'd be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that would be cool
1: for sure. Well, I'll let you go, man. You got to do your thing. I got to head off to another dealership meeting as usual. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right man well and enjoyed it thanks a lot for the time i appreciate you thinking of me this was so much fun thank you so much for taking the time it was a really good time thank you